So what we're going to talk about... Alright, on the handout. The anatomy of broken relationships. Whenever Steve asked me to teach, I was actually... I've been reading through Judges. Judges is one of my favorite books. Um, I love the book of Judges... Because, like I put on the handout there, it's it's the book that didn't have to be. Judges is very interesting. Judges has some of the weirdest stories in our Bible, or in the book of Judges. Um, and by, by saying that Judges is the book that it didn't have to be, is because it's really just a... It's just 21 chapters of God's people not doing what they're supposed to do. And, and the the circumstances and the the, the events that, that happen to them, they usually make the wrong decisions, so they get into more trouble. Well, then God has to raise a judge to yeah. kind of bail them out. Well, then they, they just fall right back into it, and they make bad decisions. They don't follow God's word, and it's just this cycle. There's seven of them. There's a total of 15 judges. I actually put them... Well, we'll get to that in a second. Um, so the whole book, it's not really a story. Like, like it's not something like Ruth or, or just a really good book that tells you about the ancestry of David. And You could take judges out, and, and you really wouldn't lose anything I guess I mean we, the story of Samson and some of those cool stories but Judges is just a book of man's failure I guess would be a way of putting it uh, the key verse you guys have heard this many times in those days there was no king in Israel everybody did that which was right in their own eyes and of course that's that's modern day America now as far as the timing of Judges you guys all know this. I, see, I, you, whenever we prepare these, me and Steve or anyone, you never really know who your audience will be. Uh, so I wanted to refresh the memories of some that may not know. But the the, the book of Judges occurs. You, know, you got Abraham here. You got Moses. Uh, the Egyptian bondage is through here. So only a couple hundred years after the Egyptian bondage. It's basically the end of Joshua, is when the book of Judges takes place. It's about uh, uh, 300 years uh, it is in the book of Judges. Um, and because of their utter failure through the book of Judges and their constant bondage, they end up getting a king. You know, they end up getting Saul and David, and then the tribe split, and, and we know the rest. So. The book of Judges is that period. Well, look who it is. It's Chef Dave. Good morning. Good morning. Let me start all over now. <laughs> no. Hey, thanks for coming. How do you guys know? Did you guys know I was teaching today? Or? Oh, I did. Oh, good. Good. We don't laugh I don't remember who I thought. Oh, it's good to have a visitor. <laughs> yeah. Well, you guys know this stuff, too. We're, we're, gonna, we're talking about the, in the book of Judges. How the book of Judges is a book that didn't have to be. It's on your hand out there. It's it's a, it's really a book of man's failure. They they consistently do not listen to God. They don't do the right thing. They always get in trouble. God always has to bail them out with a deliverer, with a judge. And the timeline is is a few hundred years after the Egypt the Moses is when the judges fire in. So it's before they start having kings. So, like I said, there's 15 of these judges. 
the study of the judges is a is a good study on its own. Each one of these judges God raises up to deliver Israel from the problem they got themselves in. So each one of these 15 judges are a type of Christ. They all have characteristics and they do things and they're they're a foreshadowing of Christ. So that's that's interesting. Moses is the first judge. Uh, this is all in my book that's sold well under a million copies. But I, I basically pulled these graphs out of my book. Um, today we're going to be talking about Jephthah, judge, in chapter 12. Uh, that's some things about him. Nothing really, we'll cover that, nothing really critical there. And then the, the last of the judges is Samuel. So remember, right after Samuel, he anoints Saul. So that's kind of when judges takes place. Most of these judges, including Jephthah, our guy we're going to talk about today, is actually listed in the Hebrews 11 Hall of Faith, fame. You know, that Hall of Faith, fame, whatever you want to call it. So these guys are really good guys that God thinks highly of, even though they did make their mistakes, which our boy Jephthah is definitely in that, that crowd. Alright, so this is a quick map of Israel. This, I don't know how well you can see it, but this is uh, the best one I could find. Actually, maybe look at the second one. I had two maps in case one wasn't good. This one's probably better. This is a map of Israel and where the judges were. So, so remember, when Joshua leads them into the promised land, he divides up Israel into these sections, and each of the tribes get a section. And this will all come into play in a little bit. Um, you remember a, a tribe and a half decided to stay on on this side of Jordan. You know, that's a whole message about uh, more cattle, more battle. They, they, they wanted to stay over here and the rest of the tribes went in. Um, we're going to be talking about Jephthah today, which he lived up in here. And we're also going to be talking about Ephraim that was down here. So that's that's kind of the lay of the land when the in the time of the judges. Judges came from each of the tribes. Uh, there was men, there was women judges. It's the study of, of the judges is is a good study on its own. So, all right, I'll, I'll hold that for now. So let's go back to our our handout here. I'm going to be juggling between slides and handouts. We took uh, talked about the time time span and the place in history. Uh, covers around 350 years. Now, Judges 12. We're going to read the probably the whole chapter. I need to flip over. So let's go to Judges 12. We have uh, lots of scripture to read. What I did when I was putting this together, uh, you know, Steve's my mentor, and uh, so I kind of modeled this one a little more like Steve's lessons with the teaching points and the verses and just kind of playing around with format I suppose so let's go to Judges 12 and let me give you a quick uh, just quick background and I, I was looking at my my teaching lessons I keep them in the cloud the last time I taught in this class was January 15th and I actually taught over Judges chapter 11 I taught uh, Jephthah's vow. If you guys remember that story, I don't know if you were here. I don't remember who was there, but yeah. So just a quick refresher on because we've got to talk about Jephthah. So here's what happened in, in chapter 11 of Judges. Israel's in trouble. 
the Ammonites were uh, were up here, and they were making raids down into the the Gideon, the Gad territory. And uh, the people that lived here were too chicken to fight them. So God raised up Jephthah in, in chapter 11. And Jephthah uh, just went to town. He raised an army. Jephthah went all through this region here in, in chapter 11. And he raised an army. And he fought the Ammonites. And before he f- did the actual battle, he made that silly vow that, Lord, if I win this that I'm going to sacrifice whatever walks out of my house when I get home. Well, he did win it because God's hand was on him the whole time. And when he goes home, he walks in, and out comes his daughter. Hi, Daddy. So he, the, the indication is he followed through with his vow and sacrificed his daughter. Uh, which is, that, that is a ter- there, there's a lot of biblical principles in that about making foolish vows and not knowing the Word of God well enough to know the biblical way to deal with that. And, to, so that, and that was, that's what I did in January. So today we're kind of picking up right where we left off with Jephthah. He has just sacrificed his daughter. You know, he's back home from this military campaign. Uh, he, he just sacrificed his daughter and some people show up at his doorstep. And that's, that's where we're going to start. So if we can, uh, I don't know, Steve always goes around the room. We can start with Emmett if you don't care. If you want to read verse 1, 12-1. And the men of Ephraim gathered themselves together and went northward and sat unto Jephthah. Wherefore passest thou over to fight against the children of Ammon, and didst not call us to go with thee? We would burn thine house upon thee with fire. With fire. Pretty serious. <laughs> These guys are serious. So now that we've got, we've introduced our players now. So on our handout. Here's our players listed, and we're going to go talk about all these guys. First are the Gileadites. That's that's Jephthah's crew. This wasn't a tribe, but they lived in Gad area. And the Gileadites are um, members of Ephraim, the tribe of Ephraim, and Manasseh and Gad. Gilead was a region right here, and they had tribal members from from all these guys. So Gileadites are God's people. You know, they're God's people. Now Jephthah, he's our leader. He's he's the one that headed up the military campaign. Ephraim, the guys that show up at his door, they're going to burn his house down. They're this tribe right here. They're also God's people. And uh, they show up mad that they weren't asked to fight. And they're going to burn his house down. So that, that's Ephraim. It's God's people that are mad at another set of God's people. And then you got the Ammonites, the real enemy. That they're up here, um, Syria area, and they're the ones that keep doing raids down into the to Israel. So that's that's the world. They represent kind of the world system. So what this chapter is going to go through are the relationships that we have with each other, God's people with God's people, uh, how we have conflicts, 
struggles and all, and all the things that go on with, between our families, our spouses, uh, other people in the church. It's a really good chapter on relationships and what the and how God wants us to be or not be. All right, so Ammon read the first verse. The men of Ephraim they show up. Jephthah has just killed his daughter. He's probably not in the mood to hear these guys show up. He's like, why didn't you invite us to go to battle? We're going to burn your house down. Now, another thing that comes into play is with all of these tribes in Israel, they all have characteristics. You know, you got Dan is always in the, the tribe of Dan is always messed up in idolatry. The Levites are the priests and, you know, Judah, Benjamin, they all have characteristics. Ephraim's characteristics that we always see them in the Bible, um, they're the complainers. They're the chronic complainers. They've always got an issue uh, with something. So, so flip back a couple chapters to Judges 8. This is another time we see Ephraim. 8.1. Does anybody care to read that? Pam, you want to read that? And then Ephraim said unto him, Why hast thou served us thus, that thou callest us not, when thou wentest to fight with the Midianites? And they did chide with him sharply. Yes. Okay, so, I don't know, maybe 50, 60 years prior, Gideon, the previous judge, went to fight the Midianites, and the Ephraimites, they show up at his door, with the same kind of complaint. But look at the, what the Ephraimites said in 8.1 and what they said in 12.1. Can you see a difference? Anybody? 8.1, 12.1. Yes, they have ratcheted up their their speak. You know, in in eight one, that was my chide here. In eight one, it's the Bible says they they chide with him sharply. Well, chide, you know, the Webster dictionary. They were scolding him. They were scolding scolding Gideon for raising an army and going to battle without him. Well, fast forward a few years, and they're at Jephthah's door wanting to burn his house down with him in it. So they've, like, ratcheted up. And this is a cool principle with the Ephraimites, with prideful people. Hey, what's going on, Kevin? If pride goes unchecked in our life, just like the Ephraimites had, it will continue to grow and get more destructive. And that's what we see with the Ephraimites. You know, they, they, they actually, uh, on your handout on the next page, yeah, let's go to this next page here. We're in Judges 12.1. And I put, enter the Ephraimites. It's the blank there. These Ephraimites, we're going to talk about them for a second. These Ephraimites represent pride. They're a prideful people. Whenever we see them in the Bible, we see their pride. This is their characteristic. So these are God's people that have a pride problem. So it kind of is like if there's something to, there's people at work, that if there's something good that happens, they want the 
They want to praise. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly right. Because, uh, yeah, you're, you're exactly right. Whenever, whenever Jephthah was raising battle, he went over into here. It's not recorded in Scripture that he actually asked the Ephraimites. We don't know, but he probably did because he. It, there's a whole verse talking about how he went through Israel trying to find men to fight. Mm-hmm. Well, Ephraim felt left out. So, so they either like like Belinda said they they either didn't they they heard and they didn't go. You know, like oftentimes we hear things here going on at church and we don't do it. But then we want to horn in and get the praise once it's successful. So that makes you wonder, like, if Jephthah had failed, would they still be mad? They wouldn't have. So these are the chronic complainers. We all have them at our jobs, in our family, in our church that just want to complain. Even though God's hand was on Jephthah and the victory was his. And I put some verses in your handout. Uh, yeah, that's why I put enter the Ephraimites. That's the blank. The, the, in Joshua seventeen fourteen, we won't go there, but that's when Ephraimites first show up. Whenever Joshua's divvying out land, Ephraim wanted a double portion. They wanted two allotments. So they thought they were special. And they told Joshua, we're special, we need two. So that kind of starts setting their character. Uh, we see them again in Psalm 78, 9 and 10, where they, they go to a battle, but it says Ephraim was too afraid to fight, so they fled. So they don't really like doing the work. And then Judges 8, 1, in that list there is, is Gideon, whenever they went up against Gideon, and he... Actually, let's look at. We'll look at what Gideon said. Within a twelve one, they they come here. So every time we see Ephraim, they're complaining. So let's look back to Gideon for a second. Judges eleven that Pam read. Oh no, I'm sorry, eight, eight. Yeah, I was going to bring this out later. Let's do it now. Yeah, just go back to Judges eight. Whenever they go up against Gideon. So Gideon goes out. He fights this battle. Gideon won. The Ephraimites show up in chapter in verse 1. So 8-1 that Pam read. The, the Ephraimites, why didn't you ask us? Look what Gideon said in verse 2. And, and he, that's Gideon, said unto them, What have I done now in comparison of you? Is not the gleaning of grapes of Ephraim better than the vintage of of Abazir, God delivered into your hands the princes of Midian and Zeb, and he goes on and tell, and basically he's telling the Ephraimites, why would I bother you? You guys are all that. You guys are awesome. You're good in battle. You're good with with everything, and I didn't want to bother you with our trivial problems, and uh, that's why I didn't ask you. So Ephraim's okay. So he like stroked their ego. He that's the response he gave them. He was very diplomatic. And sometimes we have to be that way with prideful people. That's one way of dealing with them. Just appease them. Uh, so that's how Gideon dealt with it. Now Jephthah's going to deal with it differently. Jephthah just killed his daughter. Jephthah just come back from war. He's not going to be as forgiving. So, um, all right, so back on the handout, pride. We're going to talk about pride for a second. And, and the reason I kind of chose this subject and in this passage is, you know, it's no secret. I've told you guys many times, I've, I've always battled pride. Uh, it's something I always have to keep in check. 
Um, this chapter here is a good chapter on dealing with our pride and, and what happens when we don't. So I pulled um, a few things out of some books I've read lately. One of them says that pride, that we all, we all have pride. You know, it, it comes from the devil. That was the first sin, was pride. There was a war in heaven because of pride. The devil was kicked down to earth. Now pride is here among us. Uh, and, and there's good pride and, bra- and bad pride. It's kind of like cholesterol. There's good and bad. It's, it's good. The good pride is, is dignity. We should all be proud of who we are in Christ. Uh, we should have the confidence that, that God is, is with us, His hand is on us, He's on our life, and, and, you know, good pride. We brush our teeth, we have clean clothes, we're proud in our stuff, we mow our yards, we wash our cars. We're proud of what God has given us. That's kind of a good pride. Now, the bad pride is the arrogant, where people have this self-inflated view of themselves, arrogant of their own self, their abilities and accomplishments. And the thing with pride is it's a blind spot. It's something that we don't see. And that's what's so scary about pride. Uh, Belinda actually had mentioned the check engine light last week when we were talking about something. And, I, and when I was thinking about this this week, I thought, you know, that's true because um, pride is like a check engine. Like, like when I'm pride will make me irritable. I'm impatient with people because I'm I'm not I'm holding other people to a higher standard than I hold myself, so I get irritated. Um, I get depressed. You know, a lot of times I'm I'm down on myself. A lot of that goes back to pride, thinking that I'm too special, and and this shouldn't be happening to me. And and I'm you know that that kind of thought. So that's bad pride. And I read a book, it's back here in the library, uh, I don't know if you guys have read Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. It's an awesome book. It's, uh, I don't know, it's 10 or 15 chapters where he talks about all the different virtues in a Christian life. You know, good virtues, you know, forgiveness, uh, love, charity, and, and, and kind of what it means to be a believer in this world and how we should conduct ourselves. It's a good book. Well, right in the middle of the book is a chapter on pride. He calls it the great sin. And it's just a fascinating chapter. I actually quote it a lot in here where he really talks about pride. And I've learned a lot from that book. And this is some of the stuff I've learned on your handout here, how pride is the greatest sin. It often goes undetected. Pride affects our eyes because it's a blind spot. We don't see it in ourselves but we see it in other people. And he kind of describes how it's like this little green monster living in us that we don't see, but others do. And our pride sees it in others, and our prides will like duke it out with other people. And that's, yeah, they have the same problem. Yeah. So, it, it, so pride affects our eyes. We don't see it in ourselves. It affects our ears. When we're prideful, we don't, we can't receive instruction. We don't hear. You know, we don't, we don't, we don't listen. And it affects our heart. You know, it gets bitter. We get critical. We get negative with other people. We harden our heart. There's lots of verses about all these. And you guys have, have heard a lot of this before. And then again, growth. If, if it affects your eyes and your ears, then it's going to affect your growth. 
because you're not going to learn. And that's exactly what's happened here with the Ephraimites, is they've went unchecked for hundreds of years, and their pride has continued to grow to where they have the nerve now to show up on Jephthah's doorstep and, uh, and make these accusations. And so that's why, uh, you know, like I mentioned, the check engine light, these five uh, symptoms of pride. And the first one being oversensitive. When I find myself being extra sensitive, I feel like my check engine's coming on, and like I need to check: Am I getting prideful now? And I've been battling this stuff lately. Um, a, a, an oversensitive person is is easy to hurt. That, that's why on my very first slide, um, oops, that's the wrong way. Yeah, this is the world we live in. You know, we have the Karens in the world. Uh, you know, we have Smudge and that lady. You know, these guys. Everybody's yelling. Everybody's mad. Everybody is so sensitive nowadays. And it really goes back to pride. You know, we're a very prideful people. And we get offended easy. Uh, whenever I'm in my pride, I just little things bug me. Especially driving. You know, I mean, I've told you before, I'm like the world's worst on road rage. You know, I've followed people. I've... You know, I've done some things I shouldn't do. I do it every day. So whenever you leave this parking lot, you better get on it. <laughs> no, but I do have that problem. I'm in traffic, so I always have to. Ch- I'm always self-checking myself, and that's what I'm encouraging all of us: is to self-check because you know we all have pride. Uh, we're all easily hurt. So oversensitive is one. The next one is bitterness. We got to go to Hebrews 12:15. I love this verse. Um, Steve actually mentioned this verse a few weeks ago. And I, I really, this is, you know, I'm sure you guys have life verses. And I've got, the, you know, a dozen or so life verses. And this is definitely one of them for me that I have to, that I think of. Uh, Hebrews 12:15. Whenever I heard a pastor really explain this to me one time, it was like, wow, that's, that's awesome, 12:15. All right, everybody there, I'll read it. It says, looking diligently, you know, just looking after yourself, lest any man fail the grace of God. So what does that mean? Failing the grace of God. That means that you're failing to give grace to others that has been given to you. God has given me, all of us, tremendous amount of grace. Just the air, just standing here today in the health that we have, tremendous amount of grace. God has given me. It's my responsibility to not withhold that from others. And if I did, that's the second part of the verse, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. By withholding grace and not forgiving others, making myself bitter, that, that root of bitterness is going to grow in our hearts and it'll just keep getting worse. Just keep getting worse. So it'll, it'll keep getting, until it destroys our relationships. You know, I used to be, I'm a stoveball. I tell Sherry this all the time. My family does not forgive. I mean, if you, when you're written off, and some of the people in my family, you're written off. I'm like, you know, I got family I hadn't talked to other family in just decades. So that's something I had to overcome as a believer. Yeah, we all have these people. Um, I would treat my bitterness, I would almost treat it like a pet. I would like feed it, pet it. Yes, we're bitter. We hate that person. We're going to get even someday. This is before I saved. 
so, yeah, like, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, but anyway, that's what we do with our bitterness. We, we sometimes harbor it and feed it and, and pet it. And, and so we got to get rid of it. We can't, we can't not give forgiveness to others. We got to not fail the grace of God. So, anyway, I got to move on. Have you done that? Yeah. Her name from uh, Rochelle mm-hmm. to repentant Rochelle. So every time I looked at it, I was like, okay, that's repentant Rochelle. Oh, man. Pray for her to repent. That's very good. Yeah, that's good. I, I do all kinds of little tricks. Just my blood pressure go up just looking at it. Yeah. Yeah, we all have those people. I mean, pride is a real problem. So we get bitterness. We're bad listeners whenever we're prideful. Prideful people have a hard time listening. Can't reason with a prideful person. I've got a bunch of, that I work with. Got to deal with them every day. Uh, people get triggered. You know, I got the Karens in the world. Everybody mad. Uh, so that's bad listeners. And that verse in Jeremiah is just a verse saying that Israel wouldn't listen, so they got a stiff-necked heart. But number four is unteachable. People with pride have a hard time accepting correction. And this was, this was me. I was unteachable. Still am sometimes. I don't want to accept correction, rebuke, or criticism. Uh, I'll take things too personal sometimes. We all do that. Uh, we justify our own actions. And when we're in that condition, there's no growth. And then judgmental. You know, Galatians 6.1, we actually mentioned this, I think, last week, too. When brother fails, restore one to fellowship. Otherwise, it could happen to you. Uh, pride makes us like fault finders where we judge people. We're very judgmental. We get very negative. And, I, and this is what I do, and I know you do it, too. We all do it. We'll hold other people to the higher standard than we hold ourselves. Uh, we don't give them the benefit of the doubt. It makes us self-centered. We get to be a very negative person. And these symptoms here are a very um, um, definition kind of of the key verse of Judges is everybody did that which is right in their own eyes. And that's just what we're doing today with all of this. All the social media, the TikToks, everybody wants all the attention on themselves, um, judging everybody else. So let me fast forward here. So that was shy. So that was pride. And I pulled this out of the dictionary. This is the 1828 dictionary definition. Inordinate self-esteem, unreasonable conceit of one's own superior and talents and your, everything you can do. You're all that in a bag of chips. So we all know what pride is. Uh, I pulled this. Brian posted this a few days ago, and uh, yeah, just being, I was like doing this on Pride, and that pops up. Like, man, I'm gonna have to use that. So I stole this from Brian. This is the way we feel. This is I know I feel this way. You guys do too. You know, I'm, I'm hitting on all eight cylinders here at the church. I'm doing good things, and bing, I, that'll shoot me down every time. I had a little experience with Pride last night. I was riding a longboard with uh, my dog. And like, he was pulling me up the road. Yeah. And I got all the way to the high school. And I turned around and come back. And this other big pit bull comes running out to fight my dog. Oh, man. And I almost did the splits. And I fell. I, I did hurt myself. Thanks, Praise God. the Lord. Yeah. But uh, I could have. And the, the people it was was a, a woman who had punched me in the mouth like last year and bloodied my Oh, mouth. man. Okay. And so, like, I had every right in my head to start a fight. Yes. And, war, and I got back up. My daughter was there. She watched. 
watched me be calm and okay. just just uh, say it's all right. You know, there was no harm, no foul. You know, no, that's good. That's very good. That's a good example of, of getting over it. And that's at the bottom of the page there. I, I drew this little guy. I mean, C.S. Lewis goes through and talks about how every emotion we have, good or bad, really stems. Pride can poison it, make it worse, uh, and then being prideful. Like affects our decisions. You know, Kevin had a good decision. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. You know, Belinda did. Sometimes we do. Yeah. So yeah. So the, so the Ephraimites they show up. They're these prideful people. Uh, they're ready to burn his house down, and that's what prideful people do. They burn things down. They burn down ministries. They burn down each other. They burn down family. That they they burn stuff down. Eventually, it will destroy you. And that's the teaching point. When we don't deal with the pride and arrogance in our heart, it'll just continue to grow be more destructive it'll eventually damage everything uh, I had a few quotes from C.S. Lewis I was going to show you um, yeah through, through pride the devil became the devil through pride um, and this was interesting C.S. Lewis brings this out it's a really good chapter we have it back here in the library if you want to check it out but he, he talks about how pride is a vice that are, is only really recognized by religious people, like my Hindu friends do and Buddhists do, but the world generally doesn't. Pride's good. We just celebrated Pride Month. You know, that's something to celebrate, which is ironic. That's the way the world looks at it. But religious folks realize that pride is not a good virtue to have, and it's these little green monsters that live inside us that see it in other people. Um, thought that was interesting. Simple pride test. C.S. Lewis has this. How much do I dislike it when others correct me? patronize me, snub me. I mean, we don't like this stuff. You don't correct Jimmy. <laughs> Nobody puts Jimmy in a corner. So, But we, none of us like it. So we just have to kind of think about how much don't you like it. The more pride we have in ourselves, the more we dislike it in others. You know, like I said, we all see each other's pride. Some are bigger than others. I think that's a cool... It's very competitive. Extremely competitive people are often prideful. It wants to have power over people. Yeah, I know people, especially in the corporate environment, you don't talk to them for one minute and you know that they have 20 people reporting to them. They've got global power and they have all these different departments and they have all this responsibility. Right out of the gate, they want to make sure you know that. And that's, that's a very competitive uh, thing, wanting power. So... Uh, person can use. Okay, this this was cool. C.S. Lewis brought this down. I'd never heard this till I read this, and this makes me think of like AA and some of these other programs. You can actually use your pride to to solve some of your other vices, and the devil will allow that as long as you keep pride on the throne. You know, I'm I'm too good to do these drugs or drinking or whatever. I can quit. I have I have a lot more willpower than most other people. I don't need to go to church. I can do it myself. That's pride. And the devil will allow that because you're keeping pride on the throne. And he'll let you get rid of a lesser vice. And that, that was a pretty cool thought. That because uh, I've been that way with like eating and stuff. I, I just you know I got the gluttony problem. So and there's our pride guy. All these different uh, vices all stem from pride. That's the root sin. So, uh, let's see. I think that... Okay, yeah, we'll go there. All right, so now next section. We'll continue with our story here. That's the big... i got to cook because I'm 
I'm like 30 minutes behind. So now we're going to see how Jephthah responds or reacts to the Ephraimites. So this, this little section here is titled Reacting versus Responding. And there's a big difference. And I learned this at the Kansas City Baptist Temple. The difference. And uh, I can attest that I've used it in my life many times and it works. And we're going to kind of talk about that for a second. So let's read... Um, it's, be, it's not willing to make peace a priority. So let's, let's go back to our story in uh, verse 2. Uh, Belinda, would you care to read that? Verse 2, 12, 2. And Jephthah said unto them, I and my people were at great strife with the children of Ammon, and when I called you, you delivered me not out of their hands. Yes, yeah, so they're standing there on his doorstep. Why didn't you call us? We're going to burn your house down. He said, hey, I did call you. You didn't come. So like we said, that that isn't recorded in Scripture that he asked, but he probably did. Why didn't they respond? They were who knows. Why don't we respond? Uh, sometimes we don't respond, and but but like they wanted in on the glory. So we'll kind of leave that verse for now. So uh, verse three, Shanna, can you read twelve three? And when I saw that ye delivered me not, I put my life in my hands and passed over against the children of Ammon, and the Lord delivered them into my hand. Wherefore then are ye come up unto me this day to fight against me? All right, so he's getting hot. The nerve of you guys. I went to you. You didn't deliver me. You didn't do anything. So I took it in my own hands. You know, I did it. He does give the Lord the credit. The Lord delivered them into my hand. But I think it's interesting, all the I, me, and my statements in these last two verses. And that's why I put the little love affair thing. Jephthah's got some pride, too. He's not going to handle this like Gideon did and stroke their ego and tell them that they're all that in a bag of chips. He's getting ready to go to war. This is how civil war starts. Jephthah is reacting to what they accuse him of. He's not responding. Here's the difference. I, I learned this when I was at the temple years ago. Whenever someone says something to you that offends you or it triggers you, and we all know this, we, we all know that we're supposed to kind of take a breath and not react like Jephthah is doing, but think about it and respond uh, and address their concerns, you know, and do it civil, like you know we always hear about. And the thing that they, they taught us at the temple is a lot of times you got to take the hit. And that was a word that we use. So there are so have been so many times in my adult life that someone offends me, and I just take the hit for the Lord. I was just okay. Blenda, you do the same kind of thing. Yeah, sometimes you have to lose the battle to win the war. Yes, that's a good way of putting it. You have to lose the battle to win the war, and that's yeah, especially with our spouses and our families. You know, we're often very critical and hard. You know, when Sherry's mad and she's getting ready to reach for the rolling pin or whatever. <laughs> you know, I got to admit, you know, Sherry, you are absolutely right. I did wrong. Even if I did right, um, I'll just admit I did wrong. I did wrong. I shouldn't have, you know, done that. And I'll just take the hit. And uh, that's what Jephthah should have done. So. I've had to lots of situations like that. Even though I felt I was right, me apologizing diffuses it. Yeah, it diffuses it. It diffuses it. So that's what, that's what this kind of teaches us. If you don't diffuse it, this is how war is starting. Um, so um, let's just book on to... 
Okay, yeah, so this section here was just reacting versus responding. He wasn't willing to make peace a priority. That Proverbs 15.1 about a soft answer, like what you guys were talking about, it does turn away wrath. Um, if, if Jephthah would have responded like Gideon did and stroked him and said, oh, you know, you guys are absolutely right. That's, that's what we're saying. Uh, we barely won it, but thanks for coming and just, they would have just went home. But anyway, they didn't, and he didn't, so they go to war. So let's read verse 4. It's going to keep getting worse. So we're up to you, Dave. And Jephthah gathered together all the men of Gilead and fought with Ephraim. And the men of Gilead smote Ephraim because they said, Ye Gileadites are fugitives of Ephraim among the Ephraimites and among the Massonites. Yes, yes, okay. This is a little... Little tree. Let me go back to my uh, map here. I should have put more copies of it. All right. Jephthah, he says, you guys, uh, you know, verse 3, nope, I didn't do it. I asked you, you didn't come. And then verse 4, they gathered his men. They're going to war. He's going to fight them. So Jephthah's here. Ephraimites, like 50,000 of them, we'll find out here in a little bit, have traveled up in here to Jephthah's territory and they're on his doorstep. Well, I mean, they're all God's people. I mean, these are tribes. They, they freely travel between themselves. But 50,000 of them, yeah, would make you wonder, what are you doing here? But, but, but they're, 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 there, they're not there to help dig a well. They're there to fight. So Jephthah says, okay, we're going to war. So Jephthah gets his men. And what's interesting, notice those three words. They go to war because they said... What do they say? They said, Ye Gileadites are fugitives of Ephraim among the Ephraimites and among the Massonites. So what, what he's saying here, what Jephthah's saying, is we're going to war not because of what you said that I didn't ask you to help. I'm going to war because you called us fugitives, criminals, renegades, whatever. When we're actually your brothers... We're from Ephraim. We're from Manasseh and Gad. We're your kin. And you're calling us fugitives. That's why they're going to war. He wasn't having it. He wasn't going to be called a fugitive, a rebel, a criminal by his fellow brothers. You see that how that's worded in that verse? The men of Gilead smote Ephraim because they said... Ye Gileadites are fugitives of Ephraim and Ephraimites among the Massonites. That's why. And that's why so many battles are started in our families and in our church and at work because someone said something we didn't like. That's the title of this little section, because they said. Someone said something to someone. They can't overlook it. They can't overlook the offense, so they're going to go to war. And that's exactly what we do. And that's why I put Yosemite Sam. He's offended. Them's fighting words. Because they said that about me. Now, I put a few verses here. Let's kind of look at these are some biblical principles that address the address the, the what ha, what we what we should do when people say things about us because we all say things about others. People all say things about each other. I say things. People say things about me. Uh, no one, not everybody likes everybody all the time. 
Uh, it's just fact. So the Bible tells us how to deal with that. And, and these are some cool verses in Ecclesiastes 7. You got it? Okay, what's it say, Kevin? So do, do 21 and 22. 7, 21 and 22. Also take no heed unto all words that are spoken. Let's stop here the servant curse for oftentimes also thine own heart knoweth that thyself likewise has cursed others. Yeah. Basically saying, don't go looking for trouble. Don't go asking around, what are people saying about me? Don't go searching your spouse's phone. Searching stuff out. Well, that's okay. <laughs> but no, you're right. Don't go, don't go looking for dirt on yourself. Because you're going to find it. And then you're going to be offended. But realize you're also dishing dirt sometimes. So we're all dirt together so we just need to stop it that's kind of what that's saying yeah there you go that would be better instead of looking for dirt that's right so that's kind of that's a cool principle on how to deal with when you're triggered by what someone says just let it go take the hit because you're probably doing it too all right Ecclesiastes 10 20 they might have that Kevin you're close a couple chapters Curse not the king, no, not in thy thoughts, and curse not the rich in thy bedchamber, for a bird of the air shall carry the voice, and that which hath wings shall tell the matter. Awesome principle. Our private conversations are not so private sometimes. Mm-hmm. There's always a little bird in the air that'll take things where it shouldn't go, so we have to be careful. Mm-hmm. These are kind of things we, we teach the kids. Don't say anything about someone you wouldn't say to their... Yes, I mean, these are all things our moms taught us. Uh, you know, I have trouble with them. We all have trouble with them. Uh, through the grapevine. I mean, you know, these are just kind of reminders. This is where it's at in the Bible. And, and my favorite one here is this next verse. This is another life verse of mine um, Psalms 119, 165 we actually bring it up in here a lot I love this verse great peace have they which love thy law, we all claim to love the word, we're all believers here nothing shall offend us, nothing shall offend those that love the Lord and love his law that, that should just end all civil wars in our families and lives right there if we just say, okay, I do love you, Lord, and I love your word, and I'm not going to be offended by that. So, that's kind of that. Now, I think the next one, Proverbs 19.11, this is another cool way of looking at it. The discretion of a man deferreth his anger. So, being discreet, like Kevin's talking about, he's, he's thought about it, it deferred his anger. And it's, it's, it's our glory to pass over a trespass. If you want to see what glory, what God glories in your life, or what He considers glorious in your life, is when you can overlook a trespass. When someone says something to you, you take the hit, you acknowledge, you, you, you respond correctly, you love God's Word, you're not offended. God considers that glorious to you. So that's that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Alright, so Jephthah's going to war. Let's go to the last section. This is called Say Shibboleth. If somebody can read verses 5 and 6. Who would that be? Oh, Kevin, it would be you.
Judges. Yep, Judges 12. Uh, and the Gileadites took the passages of Jordan before the Ephraimites, and it was so that when those Ephraimites which were escaped said, Let me go over, uh, that the men of Gilead said unto him, Art thou an Ephraimite? If he said, No, or nay. Then they said unto him, Say now, Shabbat. Uh, I don't know. Uh-oh. Shabbat. And he says Shabbat for could not frame to pronounce it right. <laughs> yes, now this is a cool passage. You know, like I said in the beginning, Judges has some of the weirdest passages, and this is one of them. So what happens is Jephthah, those fighting words. You know, you Ephraimites are going down. So Jephthah's men wipe out a bunch of the Ephraimites. And uh, the Ephraimites, uh, let me get back to my map here. Whoops. Alright, so the Ephraimites have traveled up into Jephthah's territory. Jephthah whipped them. And now they're wanting to escape to go back home. So Jephthah and his guys, they set up roadblocks at the creek, the Jordan River. And anybody that comes up to the river... They ask him, are you an Ephraimite? Because they could have changed their clothes. I mean, they they looked like themselves. I mean, like... Well, they're related. They're related. They're family. Yes. Thanks, Belinda. Yes. They're, they're related. So they can't tell who's who. This is kind of what happened in the Civil War in the U.S. Uh, or even in Europe. But they can't tell who's who. So they say they have this little linguistics test. Say Shibboleth. Because they know that the Ephraimites are a different dialect. And they can't say the H. They're only missing the H. So they say, guy wants to cross the bridge, say Shibboleth. And the guy's like, Shibboleth. Kill him. They killed him. 42,000 guys died because they couldn't say the right word. And... uh, yeah. And we have, and and because of this story, we have all these modern day shibboleths. That's interesting. That's another kind of study. But but, but I, I thought I always think this is funny. When I was in Boston, they looked just like me. But if I was to sell them, say park the car, they you know park the car. So then Boston in in New England area. And even uh, here in Missouri, if you're from South Missouri and, and you see the word Nevada, you'd say Nevada. But yeah, if you're in Phoenix, you're going to say Nevada is right there. So, you know, we have the same things. It's just by mispronouncing a word, we can identify people. So what, that's what Jephthah was doing here is he was identifying people because of the way they said it. Uh, and we do the same thing. And Paul also addressed this. Uh, I was hoping that the Boras were here because that La Era, you guys have probably heard that rolling R that the, the Spanish folks have, like you know, burrito or something. They can do it really good. I can't do it that good. But um, so they use so so Jephthah is using this 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 word test to identify people. And, there, and, and the actual word shibboleth means stream is what the word meant in, in Hebrew the actual word wasn't of importance but it's just uh, it, it identified whose side you're on 
And modern day shibboleths, we have them still. We have shibboleths today. Things like uh, you know music. You know we can divide people whether or not they like music. You know hymns or praise or what or uh, short sleeves, long sleeves, dresses, not dresses. How you dress for church. We we make issues out of things that are non-essential, and that's what Jephthah was doing here. The, the being able to say shibboleth in itself wasn't a big thing, but it helped him identify someone that he didn't want to deal with so he just killed him if that makes sense let me get up here and there's actually companies now that make shibboleth software like firewall stuff there's a shibboleth company that does firewalls we have to have a passcode to get into the network so it's cool when the unsaved world even uses uh, stuff out of the bible yeah that's a shibboleth anything a custom or tradition a pronunciation that's used to identify people to distinguish them and uh, another way of saying this you know we hear we shouldn't make our own personal convictions law like I personally I, I don't have any tattoos I'll never get a tattoo and when I was first saved I was very much against tattoos so if someone had a tattoo they're like man you must not really love the Lord like I do because you've marked your body but that's my personal conviction and we can't make those things uh, sit you gotta cover that up Dave <laughs> it is I mean it's it's you know it's silly it's a shibboleth and I had to overcome Christmas, celebrating Christmas having a Christmas tree you know there's people get bent out of shape if you got a Christmas tree that's a non-essential uh, thing so, uh, did you have something, Belinda? Someone told my granddaughter that if you have a tattoo, you're going to hell. Exactly. That, no. Yes. Because it's not. God is your heart. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, doesn't the Bible say not to tattoo? Yeah, I'm Leviticus. It also tells us to sacrifice a goat. But yeah, yeah, it's a shibboleth. We have a lot of them. You know, like I say, Halloween, Christmas, the celebrating of, where we judge and, and like identify people. Uh, yeah, I got to roll here. So the teaching point um, is is our relationships with our family and friends will be damaged when we try to enforce our convictions, opinions, traditions, or, or whatever. Um, yeah, it was something. That's a cool story. People died because they couldn't pronounce a, a word right. Yeah. And it kind of spiritually happens today. Yeah, or or his mark. His mark's also coming. Now, the second teaching point, which I didn't really develop or anything, but the way you say something, people can identify you. Just like I'm, I'm thinking of Peter, you know, whenever the Lord is being in his trial, Peter was talking at the fire, and they could tell by the way he talked that he was from the Galilean. And then the same thing, people can tell by the way we talk, our nature, who who we represent. You know, if we say shibboleth or sibboleth, and that's that's kind of so we're we're yeah we're we're bound by that. Ever since Babel, you can tell uh, you can tell if people walk with the Lord by the way they talk. And also, when you're doing street ministry, like talking to people at the plaza or wherever, we used to go to concerts and stuff. You'll always hear people say, "Well, I'm a believer," but when you start asking them like how to pronounce that, they won't pronounce it right, and they'll start saying weird things like, "Well, I was baptized when I was a baby, so yeah, I'm a Christian." You know, that's how we uh, we can tell that they're saying. They're not 
they don't have the right word. I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah. anyway, yeah, yeah, they were not the word. All right, so down the, we're about done here. The, the last thing, the lessons from Judges chapter twelve, the ending of everything, the little table at the bottom, last page. The very first thing that causes civil wars and strained relationships in our lives, pride. Pride. That was the first thing we talked about. Pride is what really is the the start of all of our problems with our relationships. I got guys I work with haven't talked with their parents in like ten years, and that's just because of pride. And uh, people just they build walls. Pride. All right. The second thing they are people are unwilling to make peace a priority. You know, Jephthah was not willing to make peace a priority. Them fighting words. We're going to war over what you said. And that goes to number three. We are unwilling as a people to forgive. We can't overlook trespasses that others put on us. We can't overlook an offense. You know, we see this a lot with our uh, life issues friends when they come in fresh out of recovery. You know, they're swollen with pride and they you know you don't offend them they won't come to church you've got to you got to be like Gideon and kind of feed their ego for a while until they get stable um, yeah so that's that's one of the reasons we go to war because they said alright last one number four breaking fellowship with others based on shibboleths non-essential issues Paul on your handout I'd put Romans 14 Paul dealt with shibboleths quite a bit in the in the early church remember in Romans 14 is that whole passage that uh, you need to support your weaker brethren because some don't eat meat offer to idols some do some some reserve and, and honor special days some don't you know we're all in this together these are non-essential items don't make it a shibboleth where you're killing each other over something that's not a, not essential and that's all I had how can uh, was that reacting versus responding? Responding. Responding. Yep. Yeah, we need to respond, not react. React is the knee-jerk reaction. You said what? And going after him. Pride would be kind of like people reacting and people. Yes, pride is what is reacting. The intelligent, uh, the Holy Spirit in you, and the opposite of pride is humility. You know, as far as virtues go, and so someone that's what was the one below that? Judges twelve four. Because they said, because they said, that's why wars are started, family wars. Me and Sherry, Sherry, I'll say something. You said what? You know, I'll react to it. My pride wells up. So anyway. Alright, that's that. Thanks for coming out. Any closing statements? Nope. Pride bad, okay. Pride's bad, yes. Alright, let me pray. Lord, I thank you again for the chance to meet in your house, Lord, and just thank you for your teaching on how we should behave ourselves with our families and friends, Lord, and pride and, and all of that. And I want to continue to pray for, for Steve and Angie, safe trip home, and uh, just so many other things that are on our hearts, Lord. Just pray we lift them up to you. I think of Belinda's brother. Pray, pray for Brian that he continue to work in his life. And uh, Lord, I just pray that you bring us back safe next week, Lord, and watch over us uh, this week as we travel around. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.
All right. I am really sore though. Yeah, I bet. I hate falling. Uh, well, I must did the splits. Man, you could break something there. Break a hip bone or something. Yeah. Um, I just thought it was really cool that it's how I reacted. Like, it is. 